Greetings, film fans, and welcome to episode 32 of The Big Review Ski, the show from Joe and her that this week is sadly a man down, as our dear friend Rory Cashin has passed on. That's right, he's passed on the opportunity to join us for this episode to do something, in his words, much better and way more exciting. Please stop calling me, Owen. Seriously, this can't go on. You need to leave me and my family alone. I'm your host, Owen DeHarty, and in good news, I'm delighted to say that even though we are a man down, we're a woman up. Yay! Yay! <laughs> As we're joined by my possible relative, Cara O'Doherty. Are we related in some way? I think there's a very good chance, in fairness, that the, the, the Doherty O'Doherty pool can't be that big. Yeah, uh, we're bound to be connected in some way. Although, as we said before, I think uh, my family let ourselves down during the famine and we dropped the O because we clearly took the soup. Yeah, you took the soup. Took the soup and dropped the O. Uh, Paul Moore is also here, uh, and I feel like we should give you some variant on the name Doherty. So do you want to be Paul McDoherty for the show? Yeah, sure. Why not? Call worse. <laughs> yeah. Why you? By me, by me. Uh, Is Rory (laughs) off hunting the Meg? I think so. He's he's gone full Jason Statham on that thing. Uh, There is a resemblance. If you'd uh, like to get in touch with The Big Review Ski, you can tweet us on Twitter, at Big Review Ski, and you can WhatsApp us if you go back to one of the very uh, early episodes of the show, find out what the actual WhatsApp number was whenever we remembered it, and then text us. It's quite a simple one. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think we It's not do. a laborious process at all. Uh, we've got a capital show coming up this week, as we'll be joined by one of the sons of one of the world's greatest ever actors. It's uh, Denzel Washington's son, John David Washington. Paul, you had a, a chance to meet the man. I did. Lovely fella. You might have seen him in Ballers and he's got a few things coming out but uh, we'll be talking about Spike Lee's film Black Klansman. It is very, very good and he was unbelievably sound when I chatted with him. Excellent stuff. Uh, plus we've got high clues to make your life miserable and a scarily good prize. Uh, we've got uh, tickets to give away to see the nun. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's going to scare the crap out of you. Owen doesn't do horror. I do do horror. It's just I also do doo-doos after I do (laughs) horrors, basically. There's a lot of doo-doos there. Um, Now, though, it's time for the big question on the Big Review Ski. And for this week's big question on the Big Review Ski, it's over to Caro Doherty for this week's big question on the Big Review Ski. Oh, you see, I had lots of ideas and then I went, okay, this has to be the one. I am an archaeologist. That is my original. We should have had the Indiana Jones. Yeah, we really should. I know. Does X does X always mark the spot? I can't. I can't answer that. It did in Last Crusade. Okay, so okay. Like, yeah. That would be given away. Trade yeah. secrets. But I have spent many years thinking about what type of historical events I would like to see immortalized on film. So yeah, what historical event would you like to see made into a film, and who would you star in it? Dun, dun, dun. What did you go for, Paul? See, I misread this question. But thankfully, the words are: What historical event would you like to see made into a film, and who would star in it? What words did you misread? I'm a very busy man. <laughs> Read stuff. <laughs> but, uh, my, but, but my answer actually did uh, does actually wrap around it. I thought it was figure, like historical figure or biopic or does something. That, does that, that, yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. And I settled on Daniel O'Connell because uh, I would have thought it'd be a very interesting insight into a period of Irish history that not many people see because we, you know, the penal laws and he was the emancipator of Ireland and uh, the inspiration for people like Gandhi and Martin Luther King. He took up the non-political violence uh, persona and kind of ran with it. But also, uh, as I said, lived through a very interesting period in Ireland, it would be a good insight into like Wolf Tone and early English occupation and territories. And in terms of uh, stuff, uh, he was a lawyer, so you can get some good courtroom scenes in there. And you no know, objection. And he was not against taking up uh, guns the odd time. I remember he got into a, a gunslinger thing with someone in Dublin Castle once. I remember ah, sure my history was. You know yourself. I'm very, very impressed by yeah. this. And, yeah. and in terms, Wikipedia is a wonderful and thing. In terms of playing him, uh, sure, it has to be Brendan Gleeson. You would go for, oh, he'd be good. Yeah. Because uh, his O'Connell statue on O'Connell Street, like, he has the biggest hands he in the is, world. Yeah, he's a, mm. he was a big dude, all right. Gleeson's so, got yeah. big hands. Well, I think as well, you could so kind of do the, the kind of Lincoln approach to it, like a bit of a biopic but also snapshots of kind of the violence and some of the upsurgeons how Catholics were treated at the time I think it would be an interesting kind of little segue in there as well definitely are we accepting that yeah, one Cara I'm very impressed <gasps> okay well, real life there. archaeologist not bad for someone who can't read eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, for my uh, historical event I did read the questions so I did pick <laughs> uh, historical event uh, I actually went way more recent to the 22nd of May 2015 and this moment right here. Votes in favour of the proposal, 1,201,600. And the 
That was the moment the results in the same-sex referendum uh, were read out at Dublin Castle. And, uh, yeah, obviously a brilliant reaction there from the crowd and an unbelievable day in Irish history. Now, I know uh, a film has kind of been made around parts of that event with um, with Panty mm. uh, in Queen of Ireland, which is a brilliant documentary. But that kind of more focuses uh, on her and her background as well. But I thought, like, in terms of an actual uh, fictional uh, portrayal, because so many high-profile Irish actors uh, came out and kind of got involved whether it was like Colin Farrell talking about uh, his own family uh, the Gleasons as well Saoirse Ronan so you have this massive uh, selection of just the top Irish talent who you would think would be available uh, to star in like little vignettes or stories uh, in the build up to the day as well Andrew Scott I think was uh, was really kind of prominent uh, Amy Huberman so like you would think that so many of them would be able to, to get behind it and just all those lovely little snapshots uh, of the day in the build up as well and I know it is quite recent but uh, it was so monumental I, I think that would be a good uh, you do it kind of like uh, shortcuts like, like 22 so. t- small little stories kind of yeah and kind of like maybe like tied together then as well um, like a nicer version of intermission yeah yeah, or yeah. like one of those New Year's Day ones. Or, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or, or Valentine's Day. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Bring it all together. yeah, exactly. That. So That'd be a uh, nice feel-good film, yeah. that would be. Yeah, so yeah. are we, are we green-lighting that yeah. one then? Much more recent than I would have expected, but yes, it is, as you say, monumental. Wait for you. You're gone, you're gone, you're good. Go Happy for it. Happy days. <laughs> uh, so what did you go for, Carl? So I went back. Did you read your own question? I read my own question <laughs> for you. just so you know. So I went back in time to the 1300s. Love those years. So a time that we don't really see in film very much, but in, there's a story of Alice Kittler who was renowned as Ireland's greatest witch. She was not a witch. She was a very intelligent lady who was a businesswoman in the 1300s, independently wealthy, who married an independently wealthy man who just happened to die quite early on. So she remarried and she remarried and the husbands kept dying. Okay. And okay. the thing was, 13, 1300s Ireland, people weren't the healthiest. There was reason <laughs> these people kept true. dying. But people were jealous. And they were going, why is she killing all the men? And her stepchildren were getting very angry. So they decided to declare her a witch. And there was this massive witch trial held in Kilkenny, which was the earliest, the first ever witch trial in Ireland. But the interesting thing about Alice is uh, her, 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 her smarts, her wiles and her wisdom made sure she could escape Ireland leaving her lady-in-waiting and best friend to be burnt at the stake in her stead and Petronella Jesus, was the that's first, friend. Yeah, <laughs> first woman ever burnt at the stake in the world for being a witch so it's a fascinating story that's an unbelievable yeah, story it, it had this amazing consequences across Europe the Pope was involved uh, kings and queens across Europe were kind of up in arms so going, yeah, like international yeah, espionage it was really, and yeah, stuff and there was well. some really interesting halfway through her trial she managed to kind of twist things around and the priest who was trying her was sent to jail what and all these I, like there was amazing things like this woman was incredible she ran she ran a guest house she just had amazing things going on in, in 1300s Ireland so woman Al- Alice Kittler Alice Kittler there's a pub in Kilkenny where that was where her house used to be and it's named after her and you can go in and, and kind of see where, where she used to sit and have your pint at the same time that's an amazing woman and obviously, set the, obviously set the precedent for like the Salem witch trials and yeah, stuff like and that it, and so yeah. it all started right here and it's something that we never talk about there was a play written about it a couple of years ago a musical in fact <laughs> it's the kind of thing to make a musical out of <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think there is definitely a film to be made on that definitely would you have anyone in particular for any of the yeah, parts well, or uh, Sarah Green Oh, she's excellent. Yeah, she is. I just, I like, she's got, she's, I mean, she's gorgeous. And Alice was uh, supposed to be very beautiful, uh, but she was very warm, very smart, very welcoming. I really, I think, yeah, Sarah Green would be great. Sarah's got a good wee twinkle in her eye yeah, as well. She has. So you're like, oh. yeah. Yeah. And she's smart. You just know there's smarts going on there. Definitely. So, yeah. No, that's a, a great shout. I'm actually, I want to see that film. <laughs> just hurry up and make if that If you want to give us well. money to <laughs> make yeah, these yeah, films. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, great big question this week. Uh, thanks for that, Cara. Now, I know I said, he's not here in person this week but he is here in WhatsApp voice message uh, so Rory has kindly sent on our example high clue um, he probably is in the middle of the ocean uh, battling the Meg at the moment so thanks for taking the time Rory and uh, so we haven't heard this yet so we have no idea uh, so we'll have to do a syllable count and uh, Cara I know you've done a couple yeah, of these I'm before I'm still very afraid of them listen I've become more and more afraid of them uh, as the weeks go on because I get progressively worse so it's because you created a monster 
Bond's <laughs> That's exactly what's happened. But the three of us will knuckle together to see if we can solve Rory's. I'm so grand. Well. I you're, usually get the more fun. Like, I don't want to join your team. Uh, <laughs> so here's uh, Rory's uh, example haiku for this week. Hey guys, um, sorry I couldn't be there this week for the big review ski. Um, I already miss you all terribly. Uh, guy with face one, uh, other guy with face, new person, most of all I miss sound guy. Uh, thinking of you sound guy, um, but keep it short and sweet because I don't want to cry. Uh, I do have this week's example I do. So if you've got your pins and your paper to the ready, here we go. Also, I expect, sound, uh, expect guy with face one to uh, tell me how, how many mistakes I've made here. Ready? Okay. X does the right thing. New Kevin Spacey's stuff's gone. Starling will fix it. So X does the right thing. That's just the letter X. New Kevin Spacey's stuff's gone. That's Spacey's with an apostrophe S and stuff's with no apostrophe. Starling will fix it. Um, I'll give you a little bit of time to see if you can figure that one out. Thanks, Rory. This is Gary. He said that when he's on the bathroom in the toilet or something. (laughs) He's on the loo there. Um, Okay, so let's do the syllable count there. X does the right thing. Five. Uh, New Kevin Spacey's stuff's gone. Seven. And the final line, Starling will fix it. Five. So the three of us are in this together, and he's not here to give us any kind of steer or any gift. So um, initial initial thoughts. New Kevin Spacey is probably uh, Christopher Plummer. Maybe from uh, yeah, good thinking because Spacey yeah. was replaced yeah. uh, early in the year by him, so potentially X X does the right thing. X and it's just the letter X. X Malcolm X was Denzel. Denzel does the right okay. thing. Does do the right thing. Do the right thing. Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Yeah. Okay, Denzel and Spike Lee. Starling uh, Starling would imply Clarice Starling. Clarice, yeah. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. So okay. I'm trying to think was Denzel and Jodie Foster ever in the film? I'm trying to think Denzel Washington and Spike Lee, which is they've done a few things. They've yeah, done uh, Inside Man, Malcolm X. Um, was it Mo, Mo Better Blues? I think they did as well. I could be wrong. Kevin Spacey's stuff's gone. Oh, Roy, you bastard! Was Jodie Foster <laughs> in Inside Man? I can't remember if she was. She's not. I remember. I remember doing. Clive Owen. Was she the police officer in Inside Man? Was she I, in it? I don't think so. Although I, I wouldn't swear to it. No, I know this is. I feel bad now. It's Jodie Foster. We should remember. I know we we really should. New Kevin Spacey or New Kevin Spacey would yeah, be. Yeah. Any other options for New Kevin Spacey? Has he been replaced in anything else since? Or um, has anybody else done something equally horrible as him? <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh, it is Rory here. That, that's we, true. We that's the dark side. New Kevin Spacey's stuff's gone. Um, stuff's gone like is Christopher Plummer in that maybe he's the bank manager I can't remember the stuff's gone because they're stealing the stuff oh, from the bank he, oh I think it is inside man wasn't he a Nazi uh, didn't he have Nazi oh, golds yeah. that he was holding yeah, he in the did, bank he was yes. hiding it so his yeah. the only thing I, I'm 80% convinced it's inside man but I'm not sure if Jodie Foster is in, I can't remember so what film. else could that last line be if we have Starling will fix it is she, nego- is she in a negotiator sent in or something? I don't know. Like? She's definitely, like, Starling definitely implies, uh, as Clarice. you said, Clarice yeah. um, from Silence of the Lambs. Starling will fix it. I presume Rory sent the answer as well. I hope so. Well, we t- will we take a stab at Inside Man go then? I'm going to say, yeah, okay. I'll, follow, I'll go in okay. a ledge. Rory, put us out uh, of our misery. Uh, was it Inside Man? Okay, I reckon that's enough time. Uh, if you haven't got it already, the answer was. Mm-hmm. Drumroll. <laughs> Inside Man. Woo! Well done, boys. Uh, the link, of course, is this week's big movie, Black Landsman, directed by Spike Lee, as was Malcolm X, uh, and as was Do the Right Thing. Uh, so X does the right thing, and X is played by Denzel Washington, and Black Landsman's lead actor is Denzel Washington's son. New Kevin Spacey's stuff's gone. That's essentially... The big plot of the movie is uh, new Kevin Spacey is actually Christopher Plummer, who replaced him in uh, all the money in the world. 
Uh, and again, Christopher Plummer plays one of the world's richest people in Inside Man, and all of his important, he fears all of his important stuff's gone from the bank safe in Inside Man. And Starling will fix it. Jodie Foster plays a fixer in Inside Man who's trying to uh, get everything back without it all going public. So, yeah, Inside Man, I hope... I hope two of the three of you got it. There's a funny feeling one of you didn't. And I think we all know which one that is. Oh. I'll see you next week. Digs from miles away. I know Digs from across the world. Uh, I know. We got buzzing we got that night. That was the first how, one much work, how much of the heavy lifting did you do? I said Christopher Plummer was there. You did? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Starting with Fix It, I'm going to need to watch Inside Man. I completely forgot Jodie Foster yeah, was in I that really film. I really don't remember mm-hmm. there at all. Which, as you said, we should all be ashamed no, of. completely ashamed. Um, no, he's not here this week, obviously, Rory, so he won't be uh, devastated that uh, we're going to the movies together. Here we go. So these are the top 10 films at the Irish box office this week. There's a couple of new releases in there, but number 10 dropping down the charts is Teen Titans Go to the Movies. And uh, Cara and Paul, your review uh, from a couple of weeks ago now, whenever the film was released, uh, convinced a lot of people to go and see it. And everyone across the board seems to have loved it. Yeah, I, I hope. I'd, I'd be delighted to see a sequel coming now. And Rory said it was made for not too much money. Yeah, really clever, really witty. Uh, far too smart for a, for a cartoon <laughs> that side, for a guy you know? that can't yeah. read <laughs> yeah. you get it but uh, now I'd love to see it uh, come back uh, so the first of our new entries this week is The Festival which stars uh, Joe Thomas now he's from the Inbetweeners but I haven't watched this is uh, a big admission of mine I haven't watched any Inbetweeners really uh, that's worse than me not being able to read <laughs> that is, it's almost as bad as that you're a fan though Paul I love the Inbetweeners yeah um, but they haven't really stretched out and done too much I think he was in a show White Gold and he's been in a few things it was a Friday night dinner or something on E4 he's done or, or he's done a few shows but um, I think the guys who were involved in between us yeah. uh, Morris and Beasley are, are in this one the trailer actually kind of grabbed me so, but I'm uh, I'm curious to see what it's like now. Yeah, well, basically, because Joe Thomas plays which one in the Inbetweeners? He's Simon, the neurotic, kind of uh, tightly wound one. So, uh, basically, uh, this is a story of him going to a massive music festival and uh, having the time of his life, uh, I think. But uh, it seems to be doing all right there. And it's brand new entry in at number nine. Number eight, Fallen Fast now, is Mission Impossible Fallout, um, which, uh, well, as we've all been saying, is just one of the most... It is action-packed, but like it's worth going to see just for those action set pieces alone they're just incredible they're amazing I had to go again oh did you go yeah, and see it again how did it, it hold oh, up the it, second yeah. time around I was still caught up in those action <laughs> sequences the adrenaline was just as high yeah I'd love it like uh, I've never been so pumped about going to the bathroom anymore like you know like that <laughs> bathroom scene with Tom Cruise Henry Cavill uh, and Rebecca Ferguson pops up as well and they're after a, a guy at a particular party that's just one of the best hand to hand combat uh, scenes I've seen in years it was. I just. I can't even use words. That's how much I loved it. That's how much you <laughs> loved it. Bad sign, though, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Number seven this week is uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Also uh, fallen down. Uh, what did you think of that, Paul? Were you? Yeah, I was a big fan, and I think a lot of credit for Paul Rudd because uh, he was a writer as well. And it would be very easy to just write yourself. Oh, I'm the main star. I'm going to give myself all the stuff. But he's kind of very cleverly taken a step back and let some of the supporting characters. Obviously, you've got Evangeline Lilly, who's not even supporting; she's the co-lead. But also, you know, it's very he's, it seems a very collaborative actor and also a writer so kudos to Paul Rudd it's uh, very funny and um, yeah really looking forward to seeing what's going to come next because that uh, easter egg at the end was very very good definitely and the thing about Paul Rudd there as well it's not just as you said he was involved as a writer but it's not just giving himself those catchy like little one liners or you know the best gags he's an idiot and he's happy to play an idiot and he plays it really well yeah but there's one particular scene uh, where he does get to show off uh, some of his acting skills as well where uh, well once you go and see the film you'll, you'll see but he, he essentially uh, is embodying uh, another person in a way so he's playing his own mm. character in a completely different way and it just uh, well that had me inside it was one of my favourite scenes in the entire film anyway so um, yeah worth going to see and after seeing it did you not want to turn your house into like a gigantic roller oh course? definitely I really want to do or that or do the mini car thing wouldn't that be amazing yeah, just they have like, in and out because uh, Michael Douglas's uh, character Hank Pym has this uh, kind of you know whenever he used to have 
old uh, boxes of CDs, you know, a CD travel case, but it's like a, a case for transporting uh, tiny little cars. And then he can make these massive... Remind me of micro-machines. Yeah, micro-machines, yeah. exactly. But uh, that's Ant-Man and the Wasp at number seven this week. Number six, uh, a non-mover uh, is Incredibles 2, uh, still doing very well, and it's uh, not long till the kids go back to school, so they're probably still squeezing, squeezing that, that one out. Trying to get a few more back in just before it Definitely, before it all ends. definitely. And number five, I said this last week, it's not going to move. It's been at number five for the past three weeks. Hotel Transylvania 3. It'll be there till number fifth installment in these films come it's out. It's a proper, solid, harmless, fun film. Like, it's, it is it is silly, but it really, it, there's no, it, it couldn't offend anybody. Kids are happy watching it, and parents, guardians, they're grand. Yeah, it's a, it's a proper middle of the road, and there it is, number five in the middle. Perfect. Uh, number four this week is The Meg. We know Rory is off shooting the sequel to The Meg. Uh, <laughs> more Megger? I don't know what the sequel is. More Megger, please. Um, but uh, yeah, Paul, you weren't overly fussed on it. Uh, the shark's the best actor in the film. <laughs> Genuinely. Like, no, okay, Statham's very good. But, you know, when he's on screen with the shark, it's decent action. Could do with a lot more violence, could do with a lot more blood. Kind of been neutered for to fit that 12 market to get that money. It's ridiculous, it's stupid, but when it actually accepts that it's ridiculous and stupid, it's a lot of fun. But there's other times. The staff, I think the cast think they're making Jaws and they're making Deep Blue Sea which is even more ridiculous than the original Deep Blue Sea our, uh, our next new entry this week into the top 10 films at the Irish box office is The Equaliser 2 we did have Denzel Washington on the show last week and you're, sh- you're shaking your head what? what is it? I love Denzel Washington and God bless him he acts so well and so good in this film and the rest of it is just a train wreck well that's that's the thing as oh. you said Paul last week the uh, he, he obviously Washington just like elevated every single thing he gets so if something is just good he elevates it's very good and blah 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 you know he just improves everything he's in so you, were, you weren't fussing at it at I all I it was absolutely ridiculous really? and, and do you know what I think the problem is it would have been grand if they had a cast an okay actor because then you could kind of take it at face value as kind of stupid action this that and the other but when you put somebody so good in it who acts you know as if his life's depending on it and everything else around him is sorry complete shit <laughs> it just falls apart I mean it's ridiculous Oh, Jesus. I thought the scenes with the young fella he was kind of mentoring her were, were, just were weird. decent. But when he turns up in a school uniform at the end, that was creepy. Oh yeah, I always got the impression he was like like twenty five, yeah, twenty six. Yeah, and then he turns like, up yeah. in a school, oh, school yeah, bus, yeah. and you're like, what? What is he? You're he's a grown man. He's, he's oh. going full uh, Dawson's Creek. For anyone who hasn't seen the film, they probably think it's Denzel Washington turns up in a school uniform at the end, which is not what happens. <laughs> He'd still be terrified. <laughs> yeah, you would. Um, I want to see a film where Denzel Washington goes back to school. The Equalizer three, the three Equalizer, and it's just all about maths problems but um, I actually I enjoyed it more than that I was really enjoying it for, for, for a good while but you, you thought the rest of it was laughably bad I really did I just couldn't I mean just that the, the sequence at the end I'm sorry I know it was so out of sync with everything that came before like it in the well. massive storm and this your man the sharpshooter on the roof there's nobody in the world could actually shoot in that level of storm and he's like oh, I'm going to shoot people and hit them I mean no just no you weren't having any of it no uh, you sorry, better watch out Denzel Washington's going to come around well, I love Denzel I love Denzel Washington um, number two this week and this is the thing that uh, Denzel Washington uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible The Meg none of these films were able to knock uh, Mamma Mia here we go again off the top spot but we do have a brand new entry at number one it's Christopher Robin which I have to say I'm massively surprised to see that in the number one spot which uh, stars uh, Ewan McGregor as A.A. Milne uh, the oh, oh, oh he's actually playing Christopher Robin who was A.A. Milne's son ah look at this so yeah Ah, uh, twisty turnaround. Turn, yeah, uh, but it has like uh, animated CG versions of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Eeyore and yeah. all everyone's like favorite characters yeah. from it, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, so Christopher Robin was Milne's son, and he created the story when he was watching his own son play with teddies. And that's where it came from. And the real like Christopher Robin actually grew up and had a pretty miserable life. Um, so this is, I think, in a way, a little bit mean. The, we see the, the grown-up Christopher Robin. Uh, fictionalized and and life is is tough and he works really hard and he's pretty miserable because he's put work ahead of his lovely Hayley Atwell and their child Mm. and he's no fun in his life anymore not like when he was a kid playing with the bears so he has a bit of a he's having a bit of a life crisis and he turns around one day and Winnie the Pooh has come to go I've come to save you and the, the, the long and the short of it is they have to go on a mad adventure back to Hundred Acre Wood 
where himself and Eeyore and the lads all hung out and it's all Eeyore and the lads lads. (laughs) and you know to see can can he find love and fun in his life again and you know can he you know create the family bond and recover from being a workaholic type thing yeah are you surprised to see it in the the number one spot I'm very surprised it's beautiful beautifully shot it's absolutely gorgeous Um, and, and it's been obviously billed as this amazing family film it is not a family film it's not for small kids there's himself is having a bit of a, a nervous breakdown you know so that kind of goes above the, the heads of little kids there's war, scenes from World War 2 explosions which aren't going to like the little ones happy there's a suicidal Eeyore who's actually like mid-suicide okay. when he's found which is very disturbing right and there's a quite a quite a dark drowning sequence as well it really is not a family film I like, bring my kids to this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like, like I said it is very beautiful and I, mm. if you just if you be very careful about who you bring to see to this because it really is it's very dark Hayley Atwell is criminally underused she's really takes a side very side backdoor thing going on here at all it's a funny one and how's, uh, how's McGregor in it? He's, he's in fairness, he's always good. Um, he's, he's terribly stippo for a lip at the start. And he, when he finds a sense of fun and he starts to play again, it is quite lovely. Okay. And then he has another crisis and he's like, ah, oh. but anyway. Um, <laughs> ah. But yeah, it's, it is so beautiful, but so deeply flawed um, that I would think, yes, if you're an adult, go see it. I really, be, I'd be very wary by bringing the kids. Yeah, because this is the second uh, Christopher Robin film that we've had in the space of, well, definitely the last year. Yeah, just, just six, six, nine months. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. even closer than, uh, than, than the year mark. But, um, uh, and the other thing is it feels like this is definitely kind of um, acting on the success of something like Paddington and Paddington mm. 2 as well. You know, Lovable Bear from childhood, CG, um, because the Paddington films are near perfect. Yeah, basically. yeah they're actually, so funny. They're they are. So Paddington large. 2, I think, has the highest aggregate score of anything released last year. Yeah, and as you said, Cara, uh, in terms of a family film, like Paddington yeah, and Paddington perfect. are just perfect for those. But this really is. It is very dark. Like, again, it is so beautiful. So, yeah, just be careful, people. About who you bring to yeah. it. So, Paul, all your kids <laughs> go, go into this one then, basically. Oh, Jesus. Ah, you're such a good dad. You, you could pick holes through every childhood classic and say yeah, it's trauma, yeah. traumatic. Bedknobs and broomsticks, there was parts of that scared the crap out of me. I know, suicidal Eeyore. <laughs> Mid-suicide. I take that over to you and Palumpus. <laughs> yeah. Terrify the crap out of me. So that's the top ten films in the Irish box office this week. Now, our big interview on the Big Review Scale. As we said, we did have Denzel Washington uh, last week. And the pressure on <laughs> anyone in his family to be like, hello, I'm Denzel's son. How are you doing? Um, but fair play to John David Washington, who has carved out a career as an NFL uh, player. Yeah, he was at the St. Louis Rams. He started his career and then he got an Achilles injury. So that cut it short. But uh, he's from a very talented family, not just Denzel. The, his mother, Pauletta Washington, is a classically trained uh, musician from Juilliard which not many people know. Amazing. And uh, it's actually been, he's been pointing that out as well because obviously the question is like your Denzel son, well, my mom's pretty talented yeah, too. Yeah. So he obviously uh, is a talented fella in his genes, but um, yeah, Black Klansman's coming out and we'll talk about him in, in a minute. He's amazing in it because I didn't know too much of his work aside from Ballers coming into this, but he's got a very busy year coming out. Uh, he's got a Monsters of Men as, as another one coming out soon. But uh, incredibly nice fella and... Um, yeah, uh, I suppose after the acting, there's only one way his career can go. And we chatted about that. And also uh, a little bit from The Wire as well kind of popped up. Okay, good stuff. This is Paul's interview with John David Washington on brand new release this week, Black Clansman. John David Washington, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I have to say, looking at your career, Eric, it's American footballer, actor. I'm going to guess the next two. Superstar musician, then president of the United States. Am I right? Uh, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> you can only go one way. A musician, after. maybe not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Actually, I, pl- I used to play drums back in the day. So I was in a band, so I already did that. Uh, your mom, your mom would be very proud of you with keeping that musical background going. Thank you. I have to say, as a massive fan of The Wire, this is a hard question. How hard was it for you not to laugh when you heard Isaiah Whitlock saying that shit like? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he like Spike has used him before too, like doing that. So I mean, working with him, I was like kind of fanning out, geeking out. So I had to like keep my composure when he when working with him. But uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was awesome. That was one of the little uh, jokes that just kind of got me straight from the off. I was like, okay, I am with this. I am with this. 100%. Oh, that, that's what sold you? Was that? <laughs> oh, that the credits just like, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. And obviously, cool. that kind of sets the tone, which is so perfectly balanced between you've got the moment of humour and also right. the more uh, serious stuff. I'm just curious, when you read the script, was that 
instinctively clear or were you like showing up on set with Spike like you know this scene how are we going to play this you know because it's so perfectly tuned mm. uh, was it was it very clear to you when you were reading it or is it like okay I don't really know how this is going to work uh, well the the story w- was clear I mean from the book I got the information from the book even before the script mm. and uh, I must say I'm, I was impressed by the writers and Spike Lee for not you know, t- manipulating the story that, that did when it didn't need to be. You know, yeah. so we were able to s- stand on these this this true history that happened. So playing playing this as sincere as possible was the key, and let them figure it out in the editing room. You know, I feel like because I know Adam and I discussed it a couple of times. Like I don't know what they're gonna do with this, <laughs> but we got to do our job and play it as sincere as possible. Yeah, and obviously you had the chance to meet Ron himself, and yeah. you read the book. Obviously, I was just curious when you got to know him, and obviously working around it, the context as well how do you think he stayed so calm and dignified in such like a cauldron like hate and violence because right. that really jumped off when I saw your performance and obviously read around the story itself no, no thank you I, I, I asked him that to, uh, the same thing and uh, he, he was basically saying that he was a man of his mission you know a man about the mission mm. and he was well supported man I mean he, he had other detectives and his chief that were you know that were white men mm. that believed in this in this uh, sting operation so that kind of support I think more enforced his confidence and to be even killed and not to get too emotional about it otherwise he would have blown it now I mean personally John David I couldn't have run this sting operation because I would have said something at that yeah. at that banquet <laughs> I would have said something so uh, I think that's what makes him a hero is because he was able to do his job and do it the right way you know and didn't break character really. yeah you mentioned support there, and there's some ob- unbelievable supporting players in this cast. Oh yeah! You always hear stories like actors getting to know each other off camera because it kind of feeds into the role and the cre- and the camaraderie on screen. Mm-hmm. Working with Adam was that the same, and also to a certain extent the opposite for Topher. Do you kind of want to avoid that just so the kind of animosity between David Duke and, right. and Ron? You know, well, getting the the like Spike Lee is a big um, he's big on process in rehearsal. At least on this project, so that rehearsal process—it was almost like couple. It was like a couple weeks. Um, really helped with the relationship. I feel like you know I'm a huge fan of Adam and Topher. Mm. You know, so I knew their work going in. They didn't really know mine, so I really had to earn their trust. And I think what was happening, you know, which was art imitating life, life art moment in this film with Adam and I, was as he was trusting me more. I think the character was as well. So I think it worked out beautifully, and um, you know, just it just was a beautiful marriage. I love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was a month before the camera said Roland there was a horrific incident at Charlottesville, uh, Charlottesville oh, with, yeah, uh, yeah. with uh, Spike you so perfectly. Yeah. When you saw the first film, The Final Cut, what was your initial f- uh, reaction to seeing that reel at the end? I mean, can you remember how emotive and how we moved we were by it? Yeah, I mean, it was horrific. It was uh, and, a, and a, the kind of reminder that uh, was necessary after seeing this film which has humor in it mm-hmm. which is very enjoyable and yet at the same time there's some stuff that uh, isn't as enjoyable because of the harsh reality of this film is, is talking about it brought it all together like this isn't this isn't make believe this isn't an idea of things that happen this is actually happened this is what we're living with and we're seeing the generation so I thought about how generational hate is and the mm-hmm. language I hope people when they see this they really listen to what these what everybody's saying in this film mm-hmm. which is the language language of hate you know and, and you see that how it's with us today yeah and uh, when the film's released in Ireland it'll be up against uh, Equalizer who's starting to serve and someone uh, I don't know who's he uh, oh yeah he's an yeah, up and coming yeah, guy yeah. Antoine Fuqua he's yeah, yeah. a great director yeah, <laughs> he's gonna yeah. do quite well and my colleague caught up with that uh, and said uh, would he be interested in doing Marvel films at all and chatting with Ryan Coogler and stuff as a fan as a film fan strictly would you love to see him in like that type of role, like a comic book stuff? See who your dad and and with Ryan? And, yeah, sure. I mean, I'd like to see anybody with Ryan Coogler, man. I'm, I'm here for every. I'm I'm going to that film every time. Ryan Coogler film, I'm there for. Well, you know, uh, best of luck with the uh, Black Clans, and absolutely loved it. And uh, with the presidential bid coming up, as well too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but thank you, thank John you, David. Appreciate absolute it. pleasure. Thank you. Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. That's us, Stallworth Brothers. We're on a roll, baby. That was John David Washington talking to our very own 
Palmer. It's hard not to think you're talking to Denzel Washington. I swear to that God. The similarities. Now, last week, Paul, you did a brilliant impression of Denzel Washington. And myself and Roy were like, that's incredible. But John David Washington just sounds exactly like his dad. And he does have that aura of coolness, as really? you can testify. He's, he just next sounds week. it. He just, yeah, he just he sounds like he oozes coolness. He is yeah. sounding incredibly cool and impressive in this film, I have to say. Very yeah, impressive. so uh, give us a wee bit of the, the plot then uh, of who he's playing in this film. Because you talked a little bit about uh, the background, that the fact that it is based on a, on a true life story. It's one of these events that if you heard it, you would think this is completely fabricated but it's so crazy it's that like it's actually true about Alice Kittler earlier yeah, exactly. on. <laughs> even, even as crazy as that yeah he plays a detective called Ron Stallworth who was the first black police officer in Colorado Springs uh, unit in the 70s uh, he wrote a book uh, ultimately when he started off he was in the kind of like the the store work but his first detective role he saw a local ad in the newspaper looking to recruit members of the KKK this is obviously the 70s before, you know, Twitter and all trolls and that. This is how they recruited it. He called him up, uh, gave out this brilliant speech in the film, because he's obviously an African-American, saying, I hate, you know, blacks, Irish, Mexicans, all this stuff. And they took him at his, at his word. And he continued this sting uh, until he got so far in with the KKK that they arranged a meet-up. But obviously there's a glaring problem here yeah. in that he is an African American he convinces Adam Driver who's his partner to go along with it and between the two of them they have two different sides of Ron Stallworth and they infiltrate the KKK and ultimately Ron Stallworth is assigned to protect the uh, Grand Wizard he called at the time in, in its early infancy of the Ku Klux Klan which is David Duke who you might know is a yes, genuine real life political yeah. figure who ran for office I think in the 80s superbly played by Topher Grace who you wouldn't know from the 70s show but he has this kind of unnerving unnerving kind of uh, charisma about him as well that he, this isn't like your yeehaw let's let's go burn some steaks like this is this is like pure evil in with a smile and a crappy haircut on him Grace is brilliant in it he's just one of the really good performances in it it's for such a subject matter you think this is really hard hitting stuff but I think only Spike Lee could whip in so much comedy in it as well this is incredibly funny right from the credits with the you know based on a true story his, his version is this is some for real shit <laughs> so you're laughing at it but just in a way that like McDonough would do on three billboards but sometimes you're laughing and you're like Christ I shouldn't really be laughing there and there's moments of comedy and then it's so brilliantly balanced with some real dramatic elements as well um, and even though it's set in the 70s this is a glaring allegory for what's going on right now I mean David Duke says lines like uh, I'm going to put America first and you can't just help think of the current clowns that are in the White House as well and we mentioned there at the end not to give too many spoilers away because it is based on a true book but Spike Lee uses the footage of Charlottesville as well in terms of how uh, as John David mentioned that this isn't something that's just currently popped up this is a generational thing that's gone on uh, for years and years and it's so it's one of the best cinematic mic drops I've ever seen in my life that I just left the cinema like holy crap this film stayed with me for ages but also it's not so much as well obviously the story is about this but Spike Lee is so clever and the, the film starts with footage of Gone with the Wind and there's bits of Birth of a Nation thrown in there that the D.D. Griffith that's created a cinematic masterpiece and there's obviously the story of Ron and infiltrating this but it's also just as much about how the media carries messages of racism and portrays it and kind of how the narrative is switched it's such a clever film um, that and Spike Lee understands this and how kind of the story can be changed and, and, and altered um, in terms of performances John David Washington's excellence really does channel that kind of charisma that you'd come to expect from his dad Adam Driver is is it's, it's quintessentially good and everything Adam Driver's in but it's very clever in its depiction of kind of racism and that you have the you know the Leonard Skinner's you know wife beating wearing types you have the slick charming people like Topher Grace and you will seriously question a lot of stuff coming out of it but you'll also laugh it is very 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 funny um, and it's Spike Lee is so cinema literate that there's something here for everybody and in summary I've only given one other film five stars which is A Quiet Place and this is the only other film I've seen this year which is a five star film there is something here for everybody it is fantastic I remember uh, after you went to see it uh, uh, just recently you were absolutely 
just buzzing basically mm. uh, and, and dying to talk about it we're like no wait until this week to talk about it but it sounds fantastic Cara did you have a, a similar kind of experience as well absolutely and I think uh, I think what Paul just said there a lot it's so it's such such a serious subject obviously but by doing it in this way this kind of heightened sense of it's almost a heightened sense of mm. reality like the McDonough way that you were just talking about yeah you had the dolly shot yeah, which yeah. is in Spike Lee's Oz film like it's very stylized like yeah. one minute he's talking about you know the, the Kwame student riots and then the next thing there's a musical dance number which is like pure joy it's yeah and, it's, and I think by doing that in some ways it, 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 do, it makes a very difficult subject easier to watch but it also makes you realise how utterly ridiculous racism actually is just when you see what they're saying what they're doing and you're kind of laughing but going how in the name of God can you actually believe these things or, or say these things so it kind of it, it it just makes it more powerful by twisting it on the head like that and yeah uh, the performances really are fantastic and there's a great there's a lo- I love the way Adam Driver's character has a bit of a okay, without spoiling a bit of a revelation as he goes along or a bit of a change mm. of the thinking from something in his own personal life and that's quite interesting as well yeah. like how his character without saying the reasons why is sort of just going along doing what he's doing but he you know I think he, the point is what we all got skin in the game and he, he doesn't because he's a he's, kind of a Jewish, Jewish yeah, and he's never once seen himself as a Jewish person at all he just whatever way his life has gone he's not particularly religious and it's that moment when he realises that racism is in fact affecting him and his life and that it's not just against people of colour it's quite an interesting Interesting mm. kind of way that he kind of goes alright this is a really is a it's, know, uh, yeah. it's very much of it's time but it also has kind of like you know the 25th 25th hour Spike Lee's other film was a drama about a man come terms but it was also a, like a lamentation of New York in the post 9-11 thing Malcolm X as well uh, School Days as well like Spike Lee is extremely good at making films that are current but also have this ability that will last until 20, 30 years you'll watch them later uh, and in fairness he'll probably say he's incredibly prolific that sometimes negates the quality of his work but when he's good Spike Lee is unbelievably good I don't think anyone else could have made this film and uh, fair play to Jordan Peele I think he was the one to put him in touch with the script Jordan Peele from Get Out it, it just feels eer- eerily topical and uh as I said uh, a month before our pre-production to Charlottesville a horrific incident happened and it just it just it's, it just bookends yeah, the film so, so perfectly. The way the contrast of that yeah. is done is it, just it's absolutely. I haven't left a cinema the like gut. that in a long time. It's yeah, and we know what happened. We all saw the footage when it was on the news, but just the way it's put together, yeah, it, but, it just. But again, I really want to hammer home the point that this is seriously funny. You can you can watch this film in any way you want. It could be a drama, a character piece, a history a history document, a warning about the, the future, or just an out and out comedy. It's got something for everything. It sounds like it's one of 2018's best films, yeah, without doubt. And Washington. I mean I didn't really other than knowing who he was I hadn't really seen anything into before by God he's going to have some mm. hell of well, a that's, career that's unbelievable him. for him because like as you know as we've mentioned repeatedly it is some shadow to be kind of living in when your dad's like a multi award winning Oscar uh, actor and just simply one of the greatest performers of all, of all time but uh, it sounds like he, he can he can hold his own yeah he's definitely he's going to have he really will if he keeps this up now that yeah. he'll be doing well for himself so <laughs> he, he certainly will. will that's Black Klansman which is released in Irish cinemas this week and we encourage everybody to go and see it. Now, one of our other uh, big releases this week is Emma Thompson's brand new film, The Children Act. Uh, And just before we hear Cara's review of it, here's a little clip of Emma Thompson in action. Yeah. We have an urgent case, my lady. The applicant, Adam, has leukaemia. However, the boy and his parents are Jehovah's Witnesses and it's contrary to their faith to accept blood into their system. I would like to hear from Adam himself. You've come to change my mind. Is a blood transfusion wrong? Why is anything wrong? Torture, lying, being unfaithful in your marriage. What is the point of your silence? People think you've been influenced by your parents. Somehow I've got to decide. The child's welfare shall be the court's paramount consideration. Life is more precious than dignity. I'm hearing dramatic piano music, Cara, and dramatic orchestra swells. Is this dramatic? It is very dramatic. Uh, it's based on an Ian e. McEwan book, so it's the second adaption of one of his recently on Chisel Beach was a few months ago. Um, interestingly, this was a book that didn't... It got very mixed response. So I think it's kind of interesting to make a film on something that, you know, didn't well, do too well. is a, a big yeah. bestseller, basically? Uh, so, yeah, we heard there uh, the amazing Emma Thompson is playing a high court judge who specialises in children's welfare. And she is 
she spends every waking hour working because she has to make incredibly difficult decisions about life or death. And Stanley Tucci, who's also so wonderful, he's playing her husband. And she's in the middle of this very complicated Jehovah Witness case about this young lad when he announces, I love you, we're together all our lives, we're going to be together when we're terribly old, but I haven't had intimacy or affection in years, so I'm going to have a little affair just so you know. Okay. And she, basically her response is, huh? And she doesn't, she she doesn't even really get angry. She just sort of, she's like, right, I have research to do. Leaving him a bit kind of, so she goes into the court and, and this sort of real life thing happening in her personal life makes her see the case in a little bit of a different way. So she makes this very odd decision to want to see the boy. And by doing this, it's just, it's a catalyst she starts seeing life in a slightly different way and it, and it brings it hints at an awful lot of things like a lot of questions about you know can you have such an important job in life and still have a relationship uh, it's also a lot about people who choose to prioritise work over having children and the consequences of that when they're in their kind of their 50s and their early 60s the later end of there's an awful lot of big things hinted at and an awful lot of things that they, they um, never get around to actually dealing with um, yeah, like again, like Denzel Washington, Emma Thompson is someone who's just going to elevate uh, every single thing she's in. But do you think uh, is the Children Act? Is it a better like product or script that she's working with compared to like the Equalizer too? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but she is amazing. She's absolutely splendid. It's one of her finest performances in years. She does an awful lot by not saying an awful lot. It's very much about that uh, that terribly, frightfully, awfully English way of don't deal with things, keep on going. And at a certain point cracks start to appear and at one point she has a breakdown and I swear to God, I think quite a lot of people in the press show were crying not even because of the character but it was because Emma Thompson and she's yeah, so good at doing like, no, this Emma, like, please. oh my god I give Emma she's Thompson a, a hug yeah, I'm like, I did want to do that her relationship with Stanley Tucci is so well played out on screen the problem is that it, it, it is all about the acting and their two performances but you walk away not really knowing what the point of the film was at all. It, it is quite pointless. The, a lot of things kind of happen. There's a lot of twists and turns and it, you're, you really spend an awful lot of the time with the film going, where is this going? What is going on at all? I don't I don't get it. It also has uh, Finn Whitehead in it, uh, yeah. who's the young lead in Dunkirk. And even though he didn't have a lot to say in Dunkirk, he was really kind of fulfilled that young uh, soldier role perfectly, along with the other actors who were in and around with him as well. But uh, this is probably one of his first projects since the success of Dunkirk but how, how does he fare as, he's as very the, good as, he's, his, as a character he's very unnerving and one of the twists you see why and you see his, his later his later actions we understand and his unnerving weirdness but at the, his early scenes he's so unnerving but there's no explanation for it so it's hard to feel sympathy for him even though he's a 17 year old with leukemia and that's a horrible thing to say you're a monster I'm a monster an absolute monster but I I just think the way things progress I think there should have been a bit a bit of a slower turn into that or a bit of a hint of it when she goes to see him because odd things do happen so it's hard to it's hard to kind of to like him at the start, and you just need that build if you want to capture the sympathy. You know, you, you gotta gotta narrow down the the, the, the weird the weird vibes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so if you're after powerhouse performances, then Absolutely, maybe yeah, the doubt. children. If, if you act want is the one. to see amazing performances, that it's all it's almost quite theatrical. If you want to see that, and and if you're a fan of the, the two actors, definitely see it. Anyone else? I, I yeah, I'm not so sure. Go and see Black Clansman instead. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of our other big releases this week is The Spy Who Dumped Me and uh, which is slightly different in tone uh, starring Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon who I absolutely love from Saturday Night Live she was, and she was also in the last Ghostbusters probably the best thing in the last Ghostbusters oh, she was, she was uh, Holtzman I think yeah she was a star in she that so great, just before we hear Paul's review of The Spy Who Dumped Me here's a clip starring the two ladies themselves <laughs> You have to swallow it before they come back. There is no turning back for us. We're semi-professionals at this point. Professional. We are professional. Oh my god! Oh. 
I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. I've never kept a secret in my life. Audrey shaves between her boobs. Morgan flosses with her hair. She has sex dreams about minions. Just the one minion with the one eye. She Googled it on my computer, and now I get a, a lot of weird ads. We've all been there. Sex dreams about minions. Minions, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm one right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, wake up, Paul. Wake up, Paul. Sorry, review. Um, yeah. So, starring two very funny ladies. What's, what's the film about? It's uh, a... A action comedy which uh, sometimes when they work they're quite good you got your midnight runs but when they're bad they end up being something like the hitman's bodyguard which is atrocious I didn't think that was that oh, bad oh, come bad. on Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds there were some laughs in that this yeah. is better than the hitman's bodyguard okay but it still kind of has the kind of the, some of the flaws that are inherent in this little subgenre. essentially uh, starts Mila Kunis is uh, a waitress who is going out with a boy, boy her boyfriend is very kind of distant and he doesn't text her much he doesn't respond to her very much but like uh, he's quite mysterious and while some girls will relate to that regular behaviour from men this guy has a decent reason in the fact that he is a spy and that there are certain aspects of he's his busy. life he's that he busy. can't share and then I'm looking back in the past going maybe he was <laughs> maybe he was a spy <laughs> that was the guy who getting was a them spy. all off the hook <laughs> it actually starts it's very violent to begin with it's this is like a proper like blood guts action like bond esque stuff uh, and when McKinnon and Cunis are on screen together it's excellent uh, I always thought Mila Kunis has very good comedic timing from the 70s show uh, although the film's not great the Bad Moms film they do have an audience I think it got a sequel as well like the people really like her and Ted she, I thought she was excellent as well and as I say Kate McKinnon is brilliant at like kind of off the cuff stuff and you get a real vibe to that that when they're two of them like there was nothing scripted here this is all all beat stuff but essentially they just find themselves spiraling out of control and that her boyfriend goes missing behind enemy lines he sends her a message finally saying don't throw a trophy it's like a little MacGuffin thing with a USB hard drive and the secrets on that kind of like the knuckleless from Mission Impossible but essentially it's just an excuse to get the two of them together on the road into Europe into all these crazy set pieces and for 90 minutes you're really going with it and it's like oh this is like they're just looking out here and they, it flows really well then they, uh, they get caught in a scene in a gymnasium and it really changes they kind of forget that oh these are just two normal girls who just stumbled into espionage and then they kind of like turn them into born characters like they know what they're doing they know how to handle themselves they know how to use a gun I'm like you're making a completely different film from what happened before like the first 90 minutes are very funny but then it just gets a bit a bit cliched for my taste by the end but when it's good it's very funny it's very perceptive there's a lot of good laughs about you know American tourists in Europe and how loud and annoying they are it's, it's, it, there's, a, there's a good mixture of comedy between the physical stuff and kind of like the, the witty, witty one-liners that you'd expect um, but it just lost the run of itself when I really it, I really was rooting for it to kind of bring it home and it just descended into a bit of cliche um, but as I said there's going to be a lot much worse you're going to see and if anything it proves that Kate McKinnon probably deserves her own starring vehicle now because she is fantastic when she's on screen yeah I am um, she's a real firecracker of an actress listen if, if, if it's better than one of the greatest films of all time the Hitman's Bodyguard then it must be unbelievable so we'll be going to see that so there's a decent selection of films out there this week in terms of uh out and out comedy you got your drama there with uh, the spy or sorry the children act as well uh, out and out comedy the children act which is not that <laughs> film uh, but it still seems like Black Klansman's definitely uh, the one to go yeah, and see absolutely okay. as I said five star I've only given one other which is a quiet place so I'm picky you certainly are. Um, so <laughs> that's why you go after the minion with the one eye as well. That's what it is. Now, if he you never calls me back, he never either. calls me. Maybe he's a spy. <laughs> um, if uh, you can't make it to the cinema this week, then we do have a recommendation for you to watch at home. And Cara, it was your choice this week. I've gone old school. Far, far. Keep bringing back the history here. Is it old school? It's old school. No. But it does have singing because it is singing in the rain. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Excellent. It is on this Saturday at, on RTE at two o'clock. And for anybody who hasn't seen it. That's me. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, Christ. musicals don't. It's established musicals don't really okay, do it for me. This isn't really. It's not your average musical in some ways it's for anybody who hasn't seen it it's it's set at the time when the talkies are dying out in Hollywood and they're about to start making uh, or sorry talkies are starting the silent yeah. movies are ending and the two stars of oh, the silent movies are <laughs> it's they um they are going to be in the first 
talky because, because they're massive superstars they're like basically they're asking, yeah. Yeah, I'm, they're I'm waving Hollywood my arms stars. in that right side of the drama but you can't see me Car's giving it socks yeah. here but jazz hands there's a major problem it turns out that the the beautiful actor who has been fabulous at all these great hand and um, facial expressions has got a really really squeaky high New York accent and cannot be allowed to to, 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 to be in the talkies so they have to find this way around that and they get a, a, another actor who's going to do her voice work without her quite realising and in the middle of this Gene Kelly who plays the fabulous male person in it is starting to fall in love with the voice actor and it's just this gorgeous it's a gorgeous love story it's really funny it's it just has the most gorgeous scenes with Donald Connor, who's one of the funniest actors that ever came out of Hollywood. It has the fabulous Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Very sad now. It's just, it's a gorgeous film. It's it's full of heart, most beautiful dance routines. And there's the funniest scene ever when they have to find out how to do proper elocution so that they can talk in films. And they just, um, they all go a bit crazy. Yeah, because that's an iconic scene, right? Iconic Moses comedy scene. You will find yourself uh, saying that afterwards for quite some time. It's uh, So you said it's on on Saturday afternoon Saturday then. Afternoon so it's a so perfect Saturday it's afternoon. Perfect, film. Yeah. perfect for that. I think the first time I ever saw it was probably when I was a kid on a Saturday. So yeah, people, watch it. Do yourself a favour. Paul. I will. Okay. Do I do won't it. do an own in it. I actually will watch no, recommendations. He still hasn't seen Crank, has he? It's still Crank is the only one I haven't seen yet. I watched all your other recommendations, but I will be sitting down to watch even the menu one. Even the menu one. That was stop sending me those links. Um, so that is our recommendation to watch at home this week. Now it's time for our competition hike, and we do have tickets to, uh, as we said, the Nun to give away. There's a very special screening of that coming up. If you're brave enough, um, we did the uh, whenever the trailer was released. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I still have nightmares about that. Uh, we did a live viewing of the the non trailer, but uh, yeah, this is your chance to go and see the uh, the actual film. So, first of all, last week's competition high clue was um, greedy, beastly Jack, chesty detectives. All right not friends with Chandler and uh, congratulations to everyone who managed to get the correct answer uh, the rest of you are losers um, so basically the solution to that film was The Wolf of Wall Street and the reason why I was like <laughs> Squint is like what? Yeah. <laughs> how, how's that the answer? Uh, the first answer was greedy, beastly Jack. So Jack uh, is Leonardo DiCaprio because one of his most famous characters is Jack, Jack from Oslo. Titanic. Uh, he's beastly because he's a bit nasty in it and he's also the wolf. I was thinking the bear, the beast, the reverend bear. Well, there you go. You got beastly there as well. Um, it's reference to uh, the wolf of Wall Street and greedy because uh, Wall Street with uh, Michael Douglas kind of, you know, greed is good. Um, so that was a, a little He's a greedy there. bugger in it as well. He certainly is. Uh, the middle line, chesty detectives, all right. Uh, we think one of the most famous detectives uh, recently is uh, Matthew McConaughey from True Detective. He's very chesty because he always takes his top off. And in the film, he beats his... He does a, That's a hard one. Yeah. On his chest. And he's all right because he's like, all right, all right, all right. So the middle line was Matthew McConaughey, Leonardo DiCaprio in the first line. And the final line was a wee bit of a red herring. Not friends with Chandler. Nothing to do with Chandler from friends. I genuinely thought that was it. Yeah, but it was more uh, Kyle Chandler plays... I love Kyle Chandler. Yeah, plays the FBI agent who's after... Uh, who's after Leonardo DiCaprio's character and they're not friends was basically he's not friends with I was obsessed with that line and I thought it was Giovanni Ribisi because he was uh, sorry or Adam Goldberg because he was Eddie Eddie, from Friends nice guy Eddie yeah who was uh, the roommate he hated yeah Um, so the answer to that uh, high clue was The Wolf of Wall Street now this week's one pens at the ready pens at the ready Mm. here we go so um, here we go it's True has pasty wife Cars <laughs> are already gone. Cars like packing up and leaving. Good luck to you. Um, the middle line is support carries out surname, and the final line is and becomes good cop. So the full thing is true has pasty wife. Support carries out surname, and becomes good cop. Pretty sure the uh, silver card is okay. True has pasty wife. Support carries out surname, 
and becomes good cop. Yeah, 575. So, um, yeah, we'll have that high clue up on Joe as well as Paul's interview with John David Washington as well. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, as I said, we will be giving away those tickets to the nun. So uh, do enter and you'll be heading along to see that and poop your pants. Um, now, looking ahead to next week's show coming soon, we have the small matter, uh, a couple of interviews coming up. Uh, Rory sat down with one of uh, the most amazing characters in uh, a brand new release. It's for the Happy Time Murders. He was chatting to Detective Phil Phillips, who's actually a puppet. So I uh, cannot wait to see how that one actually went. And we'll also have some lad called Idris Elba on the show as well for his brand new directorial debut. We've had some cool Yardy. people on the last few weeks. We like, really, actually, like really don't know cool. what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're really up in the cool. We're all atrociously uncool. Not you, Car. Car, you're oh, cool. Thanks. I was you're waiting very to see cool. you. That's just, why she has the O in there. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. The one. All the cool daughters have the O. So uh, if you <laughs> didn't take that soup, you would have been cool. The soup was so tasty. Tomato and basil. Who knew they had that during the the famine. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.